Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Well, it's got off to a flyer, hasn't it? I think we can all agree that football is coming home. England opened their 2022 World Cup campaign with a 6-2 win over Iran. I'm Jim Salverson. That's Noel McCorn. You've got to hold Anderson. and give for doing. <laughs> oh, it's very early in the tournament to be bringing out the John Barnes rap. This is Football Social Daily. We are looking back at a game which finished just moments ago and 30 minutes later than it should have finished after a ridiculous amount of added time in England's World Cup opener versus around a triumphant victory 6-2. But how do we feel about that one, lads? Were England good or were Iran, just like Qatar in the opener, as we were discussing earlier, just pretty poor? Both, I think. Both. I thought England was sensational. Let's get that out of the way first. The statistics show complete and utter domination, at least in the first half. Obviously, the scoreline finished 6-2. England were in cruise control for most of the game. There were a few sloppy errors, but I think when you're in that much of a commanding position, that's to be expected at times. Mm. But the first half, England couldn't really have asked for much more. And even up to the ninth minute of the game, I think it was, when there was an incident with the Iran goalkeeper who basically headbutted his teammate when he came to collect a cross and then bust his nose, his nose was bleeding and that's why we saw so much added time. I'm sure we'll come on to it but even up to that point whilst the score was goalless, I thought England were dominant. I thought Bellingham was sensational. Obviously scored the opening goal for England but I just thought his whole all-round performance was exceptional. I thought every single player that played was really good for England Mm. Um, and that includes the much maligned Harry Maguire who before he had to come off as well was excellent too. Got an assist with his header didn't really put a foot wrong at the back. Um, and so I thought that all round, the England performance from everyone was was exceptional. I mean, the fact that probably if you're going to pick two players out that weren't as good as the rest, one of them was the captain, Harry Kane, who had a better second half and gotten an assist, but probably along with Mason Mount was probably the least effective player on the pitch. I think that shows you mm. the sort of performance that England had. Can't really ask for much more. I remember watching it with you guys and thinking, when was the last time England were this dominant in a game, let alone a World Cup match? And to score three goals in the first half, I saw the statistics. It's only ever happened three times previously in England's history, the first of which was way back in 1986. So brilliant performance. Could not ask for much more than that. What a display by England. I just thought England looked very well balanced, Marley, in every portion of the pitch. In terms of that back four, they all performed really well with the two fullbacks pushing forward and almost forming like a, a three-man 
defensive midfield with Declan Rice. He played the holding role. Bellingham was the link-up between the two, just driving forward like a proper box-to-box midfielder, which is something else we've not seen for England for a long, long time. It just looked like a good, strong, well-balanced squad. Yeah, it did. Um, I thought just everything. They were in control of everything. and It's it's quite common for England to be in control of games um, against teams that, that ultimately want a nil-nil or you know, whatever result suits them type of thing. And Iran, you could tell by the way they set up, uh, you know, first five minutes when England had the ball at the back, it was all 11 Iranian players inside their own half. And you can't really blame them for doing that, but you've, what you've got to do is break it down. And I think England did really well, um, did some of that really well. And Bellingham was, was central to everything. I thought he moved the, he sort of took chances and he, he, he passed the ball forward every time. Mm. Um, and that ultimately, you know, him getting in the box as well in that four-three-three, system worked brilliantly because mm. he got in the box, he got himself a header, beautifully taken header, and that from then on the floodgates were open because Iran can't be as defensive; um, they have to come out a little bit more. And you know, the the golfing quality was clear to see. And you know, six goals later is uh, is a good start for England. So uh, I think Bellingham as well. Continue. Nineteen years of age. And by scoring becomes the second youngest England player to score in a World Cup behind Michael Owen in 98, who obviously had an amazing tournament back then, probably topped off by his famous goal against Argentina. But to be honest, Bellingham putting in a performance of that maturity at the age of just 19 was exceptional. And if you think of Bukayo Saka, who scored two goals, is two years older than Jude Bellingham. (laughs) It's remarkable. So there's some really impressive talent on display, not just today, but through the whole squad. It's going to be really difficult now for Southgate to change from that formation, isn't it? Like, I mean, he has two options in terms of, we know Southgate is a conservative manager. We know he likes to play the five at the back with Carl Walker dropping into that back three. And he also likes the double pivot with playing Mm. a Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips in a holding role. But that makes no place for Jude Bellingham if he's going to do that. And likewise, the way the back four performed tonight, it's very difficult for him against Wales or the USA to now go, well, we need to be slightly more conservative given the success he's experienced in this first game. So it's a great start for England, yeah. but it makes it very tough for Southgate to probably revert to how he wants to play in future games. I see what you're saying, yeah. but Southgate's a loyal manager, isn't he? And I think that he would be loath to change it with a victory this convincing. If England had won 1-0 and it had been cager and tighter, which, by the way, is what I predicted on the podcast earlier on, I thought it would be 1-0 to England, it finished 6-2. 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, didn't we? So all horribly wrong. Awful predictions, but I think We that, didn't even get the margin of victory right, even though we covered one goal, two goal and three goals. It was four goals. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, the um, the performance was too good to, to try and change things up too much. I think what was interesting is in the pre-match interview, he said that, you know, it wasn't too much to do with what Iran were doing as to why he's gone for a back four. I think it was more about the personnel he had available. Let's presume Kyle Walker isn't fit by Friday, which is when the England play the United States. Um, so, I mean, he, he can't change it now, Jim, surely. Do you think he will? No, I think I think, it's, I think that, that victory, that result has given us a safety net in terms of not only the three points to kick off the group, but also that goal difference. Mm. Because even though we conceded the two, yeah. there's still a healthy goal difference there. Niall was talking about Harry Maguire before Marley said he played very well and I think he started off very strongly but he looked exposed a couple of times I Mm. thought and certainly the pace of international football suits him more so than Premier League football but will there be question marks over whether he continues alongside John Stones for those centre-back positions going forward because 
there were a couple of times where he looked a little bit slow on the turn. He looked mm. a little bit caught out. Whether he had concussion or not, we don't know yet. Well, I think there'll be discussions over him and his sort of participation from everyone that isn't Gareth Southgate, but I very much doubt Southgate's going to drop him from uh, from the team at any point during the tournament, never mind when you've won 6-2 and, you know, uh, you've got that sort of um, result in the bank and you're almost you're almost through already in the group really with that goal difference and that and that result in in your back uh, your back pocket it's one of those where it's hard to change uh, a sort of team and this is where maybe i think england could have done with a little bit of a a harder group almost because if you if you say like if you beat usa on friday and then you've got wales it's like it would be good to to see england properly tested by like a, a Croatia or a Belgium mm. or someone like that someone sort of nearly elite in their group but we could we could have the same again where Gareth six with the 4-3-3 we hammer everyone in the group we we play like Senegal in the last 16 we beat mm. them and then we run into France play the same system and get absolutely kinned yeah. false completely. sense of security sort of thing which has happened before we've seen that in previous World Cups it has I think when, was it uh, World Cup 2018 Croatia were the first sort yeah. of good team we played and, and yeah. they, they outplayed us. Modric, Rakitic in midfield passed their way around us pretty easily. Um, but that's all way down the line. I mean, they were they were brilliant today. Bellingham's got to be in the team um, in the however many games we end up playing in this World Cup because um, he was just outstanding. So fair play for now. Nice nice uh, confidence boost and win. Maguire, not great at times, but solid enough. In terms of selection questions... Does Southgate have a potential issue with his front three now in terms of who he plays in those positions? Because there were some outstanding performances, not least Rashford when he came on, who made things happen, looked very threatening running at the Iranian defence. But Saka, Mm. who played previously and was incredibly unlucky to be taken off with just two goals to his name and chasing the hat-trick. I thought they all played well. well. Was it all six attackers that played got something? So well, Kane, all, Kane got all, an assist. All four wingers yeah. got a goal. Yes. So Grealish came on and scored. Rashford yeah. came on and scored. And then, of course, you've got Saka and Raheem Sterling, who did the damage in the first half. Yeah. So Kane all, got an assist. Yeah. Wilson got an assist. Wilson came on and got an assist as well. So, I mean, in terms of nice your impact headache. from your front players, yeah, I guess he has got a headache. But, I mean, you can't be whinging about that as a manager um, Harry Kane will start the next game if he's fit obviously we know he's got issues with his ankle and there was a kind of a scissored challenge from behind which maybe raised a few eyebrows over his fitness and I think he stayed on did he stay on or did he come off in the end and Wilson came on for him didn't he he stayed off and he stayed on for another five yeah and then Wilson came on yeah, yeah so he did he did eventually would get withdrawn but I just wonder how fit he'll be and you know, England against the United States is a game in which Harry Kane if he's fit will start and I think everyone knows that so I think that he'll be uh, reluctant to change the front three. I think Southgate's the given. Game. The players either side, I wonder whether he'll change. I mean, I don't think Foden did enough coming on Southgate's to kind of make a the case given. for himself. Kane. Sorry, Kane's the given. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. Gareth could have scored I, I, a well, run against that. Well, lot, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on the United States. You know, Saka, I don't think you can take him out of the team from no. what we saw. He scored his two goals. But then again, Rashford came on and was absolutely electric. And I would argue in the small flashes that Rashford had, looked more exciting than Bukayo Saka with the chop inside, took three defenders out of it and scored. You know, but maybe that's the advantage of coming on halfway through a game. When yeah, you've got especially when you've legs. had 24 minutes of added time or whatever yeah. it is, or 14 at the end of the first half. So yeah, I definitely think you've got a case there. I just think that maybe Phil Foden is someone who can, can cause the United States problems. 
from the start. I, I just think England are in a position now where we've got so many players who can cause issues, particularly in this group. Like Marley says, England should be getting out of this group. There's no question about it. I said a few months ago that I thought England might bomb out of this tournament. I had a horrible feeling going into it. Still doesn't feel quite right. I don't know whether that's because of the context of the tournament or mm. because this game was a little bit strange. I mean, we're sat here talking about eight goals, nearly an extra half an hour played added on to the end of the game, a weird concussion incident. Harry Maguire also taken off the concussion. There's been so many strange things that have happened in the last two days for the two games that we've seen. So, yeah, it's a little bit early to get carried away, but, I mean, could be anyone really in that front three. If you think four years ago it was Kane, Sterling and Sancho and we were talking about how fearsome that front three is, now it can be Kane and any one of a number of players either side of him and you're thinking England have got a real chance to win a match. Before we move on to a couple of potential negatives from the game, what was your pick of the goals in the England one Around sorry, England six around one is currently what the BBC report is saying, but I think it was six two. I'm pretty yeah, sure I'm the the yeah, yeah, he's failed that a few minutes early, thinking, yeah, that'll <laughs> yeah, be all right. Yeah. I'm going to get, get out the, of the car park early and yeah. forget yeah. about it. There were um, eight goals to pick from. For me, I think it was Raheem Sterling's goal. Are you talking about England goals? Because the Iran first goal well, was a really you, nice you finish, wasn't p- it? You off can the pick bar. the Iran goal if you like, but I think it was uh, Sterling's for the cross back from Trippier, was it? The Kane's cross back for that finish from outside of the boot. Yeah. Really nice goal. That was a nice goal. Oh, do you know what? I can't decide between. I mean, Saka's first goal was great. Headed down by Maguire, uh, controlled by Saka and volleyed into the top mm. corner. I thought that was a really good goal. But I am a sucker for a, a well-controlled header. I thought Bellingham's header was excellent. I thought he deserved the goal. We've waxed lyrical about him already on the podcast, so maybe I'd choose that. But then again, like I mentioned a minute ago, the Iran finish, the first one, was really good. And that was a good goal by them. You know, first time finish off the bar and in. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're quite satisfying to watch. Didn't so. he? You got to mention this morning, Medi Taremi. I said he was a danger yep. man, Jim, reliably, until told us he was injured. <laughs> and then he ends up And then he was in goals. the starting lineup, and I was like, Jim, yeah. he's not injured. Uh, I'll go for Bellingham's header. That'll okay. be my choice. Marley, how are you going to justify that it should be Jack Grealish's goal purely for Callum Wilson's assist? Well, in terms of selflessness, you know, you're talking about <laughs> Callum Wilson and. <laughs> Um, no, the finish wise, I think it was uh, it was Bellingham's header. Rashford's took Rashford took his goal really well. The way he, the way he sort of chopped inside, but you could say that's absolutely shocking defending because his first three touches as well of the, yeah. of the game. Um, a lot of them were bad defending, to be fair. But yeah, I mean, I go for Bellingham's. I mean, if you want me to go the, go the partisan route, I would say Wilson's cutback was was very very selfless, considering he might not get too many more minutes to cut that back in mm. a World Cup, in your first World Cup at 29 years old, probably your last World Cup. Amazing he didn't try yeah. for goal. I had a shot. I, I had a shot. And if shot. anyone told me that I wasn't meant to shoot, I'd be like, it's 5-1. Everyone, please F off. <laughs> Let's talk about the couple of negatives. I mean, one of the reasons why it was 6-2 in the end was probably the Iranian goalkeeper, the substitute goalkeeper, didn't cover himself in glory during this game. And there was an early talking point where the original Iranian keeper... Biran Vand. Biran, yeah, that'll that do. Right? Yeah, right? it'll Good. do. I doubt he's listening. Uh, clearly injured after a massive blow to the face. Looked like he broke his nose. Christ. Looked like he potentially had concussion as well. After about 10 minutes of stoppage time, the Iranian doctor decided he was fine to play on. And he did play on for another three, four minutes before being substituted. What does that say about player safety in this competition, Niall? There's been so much around concussion and head injuries and here apparently you're seeing protocols just getting ignored. Shambolic. Genuinely shambolic. And 
we're quite lucky here on Football Social Daily that we get to speak to a lot of former players. We have ex-professionals on the dugout and recent reports, and when I say recent, I mean in the last few years, have revealed that if you're a footballer, you're a significant time, not, you're, a, you're significantly more likely to develop dementia in your later years because of heading a football, mm-hmm. because of problems with concussion. That's why we have concussion substitutes. That's why we have concussion protocol. And it is up to doctors to make the decisions for player safety and player welfare. As much as this around goalkeeper would have loved to have played on and the pride he would have felt to represent his nation on the world stage against a big team like England, I'm sure he would have been bursting with pride and swelling with pride. But unfortunately for him, the only thing that was swelling up was his nose. But then you've got a doctor, because, you've got a doctor making a decision there. You've yes, got but a team the, doctor making a decision. He's just made a... But that's, yeah. that's not impartial. You, you, need exactly, an, you need an independent you doctor. Team doctor. You need an independent doctor to make a decision, which is what they do in the rugby. And actually, we've seen in rugby boxing. over the UFC, and boxing, everything. but we've mm. even seen in the rugby, I don't know if anyone listening to Football Social Daily also follows Rugby Union. There was a match recently between Ireland and Australia where an Australian player was stumbling after a concussion check and was forced to come off, but was then thrown back onto the field as a substitute. That is exceptionally dangerous. And I've broken my nose and it doesn't feel very comfortable. And I can tell straight away as soon as this incident happened that the Iranian goalkeeper had broken his nose. It was a nasty collision. He tried to fight on, he tried to play on. He should never have been allowed to stay on the pitch. He had his gloves off at one stage and then he basically picked them up and put them back on again. And someone needs to tell this goalkeeper, they need to say, you're coming off and there is no debate about it. You are coming off. The substitute goalkeeper warmed up. He took one more kick of the ball and then sat down back on his ass again. And we've got another three minute stoppage. And then they brought the stretcher on to take him off. I mean, it was just remarkable what we were watching. Yeah. And it's, it's a, a bit shambles. of a contradiction, isn't it? One minute you're fine to play and the next minute, no, you need a stretcher to but, leave the pitch. But it's a shambles. You're right. What does this say about player welfare? Again, refer to those statistics that players are significantly more likely to develop dementia through heading the ball and the contacts and the collisions that they have through a playing career. You know, and this is this is 2022. We're not talking about 1966 when England last won the World Cup, when balls were made of heavy leather mm. and stitched together with lace. And, you know, and they would weigh a couple of kilograms when they were covered with water and soaked through. Now, this is significant, significant health concerns and health scares, and we need to be looking after the players. We always hear managers complaining, like Jurgen Klopp, like Pep Guardiola, like others, there are too many games in the football schedule. Fine. If player welfare is the first and most important thing, which it seems to be and what it should be, then we need to be taking it seriously in every respect, not just the amount Mm. of minutes in the legs, not just the amount of running they do and the amount of fitness that they have to have to play three times a week. When a player gets hit in the head or the face and they could be concussed, that's a severe, that's basically concussion is like a small amount of brain damage for a small period of time. It's a serious thing. And I just, I was really shocked. It's poor. Mm-hmm. It's really poor. I mean, listen, it was, it's on Iran to make that decision, but it's also on FIFA to have independent doctors so they can say, you're not fit enough to continue, you're coming off. And we have these concussion substitute rules now, Jim, where players who have a concussion can be can be brought off and it doesn't impact the other substitutes that you make. Yeah. And yet they didn't take that decision until five, ten minutes after they, they should have done. I mean, one of the purposes of tournaments like the World Cup is to push forward things like that, push forward innovations and push forward cases for player safety. And they've so far failed to do that. And it is disappointing. The other thing that might be chalked off as a negative for this game was when we're two games into the World Cup, two controversial inverted commas VAR decisions 
in the England game, it was in the very last minute, a penalty awarded to Iran for a shirt tug. I think we're all in agreement that it was a penalty. Mm, yeah. But I think we're also all in agreement that it showed a complete lack of consistency again <laughs> when you've got England players getting bear-hugged and manhandled in the yeah. first minutes of the game without punishment. Three yet minutes. You get to the other end of the game and there's a shirt tug, which didn't result in the Iran player going to the floor. He bought the penalty pretty much, even if it was by the letter of the law a penalty. And again, we're talking about VAR and we're talking about inconsistencies, Marley. We are. Um, I can't work out what we sort of do with this because the only way you could justify it is if the referee went out to look at Maguire's and said, okay, that's not a penalty. But he didn't. He didn't go and have a look at that. But then as soon as he goes and has a look at the second one, obviously, as we say all the time, he's already been influenced by the fact that flipping 17 referees in a shipping container in Qatar have said, Mm. hang on, you want to have a look at this? I don't think I've ever seen a VAR decision not be given after a referee has gone to a screen. I I think there was one in in the Premier League kind of recently, but that that was the one time everybody said, oh, fair play. I think it was Michael Oliver who stuck with his own decision. Right. Um, but it's yeah, it's very, very, very rare. Um, Both are pens, aren't they? The Maguire one after three minutes where he gets. Not, I'm not even sure the second one is because he's not getting the ball. I know, but it's that's a foul, why he goes it? down. And but then if, if in he... the first one, like Maguire goes down and he's got a genuine shot at, yeah. at getting the ball. And we all know with Harry Maguire, he probably will get his head in it. But you know, in in the first one, it was like that's a clear penalty. And then you. You I maybe thought, oh, pens. it was too early in the game to, to be giving it in case you sort of set your stall out and then you get five penalties in a game, for example. Um, but then even at the end, you know, 10 minutes added on and eight minutes into it, you get a decision like that. And it's it was a bizarre one, but, you know, it, obviously it doesn't affect the result in the end, but still frustrating that we're still talking about VAR. Mm. You know, we've had eight goals and, you know, VAR's I kind of uh, like it in a way that it's been ballsed up in the Premier League so much over the last couple of years that here we've got a world tournament, the cream mm. of the crop in terms of players and in terms of officials, mm. and they're still making a mess of it. It makes me feel slightly better <laughs> about everything that's happened in the Premier League. Every country in the world moans about VAR if they have it, and if they don't have it, they moan about the standard of refereeing. Mm. It's but just football, Do you know what it? the strange thing is? If there was no VAR, neither of those would have been penalties. Because the referee wouldn't have seen either of them, and nor would the assistants, and therefore you're on a level playing field. How strange is that? And yet we've got VAR to eradicate this and actually create a level playing field the other direction, where we can analyse and micro-analyse these decisions, and yet one was given as a penalty and one wasn't. Yeah. I never wanted VAR, just saying. No, me either. Right, so there is the second game from Group B happening in a few hours' time. Wales versus USA. People could well be listening to this after that game has finished, but... In terms of how those two teams will be feeling, watching England's win over Iran, will they be more worried about England potentially in this group than they were before? Yeah, surely. They've got to be, haven't they? They've just shredded Iran. And, and, you know, even though it's 6-2 and Iran scored two goals and there were a few moments where England looked like they could have been a little fragile, I think that on the whole, you look at the possession, particularly that first half display, they blew Iran away. They dominated. They destroyed them, really. Um, and I think that if you're Wales or the United States, who are two, without disrespect to them, inferior teams to England, you should be concerned. But on the flip side, they might have been looking at this gym thinking Iran are rubbish and we've got a really good chance of getting out of the group. Mm. How do you see that game going tonight, Marley? Because Wales Tough have one. done so well to get to the World Cup. Mm. But yeah. at the same time, there's an ageing squad there. Aaron this. Ramsey, Gareth Bale... 
um, mm. Allen as well, Joe Allen, all really key to that. Wales team, but all I with a lot of miles in their it's legs. It's the uh, rare bit versus the Philly cheesesteaks tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think Joe Allen's injured, but which okay. is a little bit of a, a shock. Um, I don't know much about the USA team uh, beyond McKenzie. That's kind of the extent of my knowledge. Uh, McKenny. Yeah. McKenny. <laughs> See, I don't know his name. <laughs> That's how little yeah. I know. Obviously, the, Pulisic the and Tim to, Ream as well. Hard to get. I mean, Aronson for, and Adams from Leeds yeah, um, yeah. are good players. Um, I think the Sergino Dest at right back as well, who's a de- who's a decent player, um, formerly of Barcelona. I think he's at Leon now. Um, it's hard because Wales aren't that good, but they turn up in big tournaments like you owe them money. Like they turn <laughs> up and they are like we are in your faces like bailiffs on steroids. Like it's insane. They turn up. Bale turns into flipping, you know, some of Dragon Ball Z, just bloody turning up like Goku and <laughs> turning over players, sprint- sprinting past them. Putting crosses in for Kiefer Moore, who's a big lump up front who just will head anything and everything, even if it was made of concrete. So that I think that passion is what can set them apart from USA, because USA seem seem a bit like fair weather. Like if everything's going well and everything's a bit easy for them, they they're good enough to play around you. But Wales will be right in the faces, and I think the qualification from this group always comes down to the two sort of middle teams. You look at Iran and say they're probably going to be the worst. You look at England and say they're probably going to be the best. And every group's almost like that. There's a clear favourite and a clear favourite to be a whipping boy. Mm. But when you look at this, it's the middle of the ta- middle of the groups which makes the difference. And in this one, it's USA and Wales. I can't split them. All I can say, I think the, both teams will score and it'll be a decent game, but I can't I can't pick it. I really, I, if, I'd be tempted by Wales by the fact that I always write them off and they mm. always prove me wrong. And we've got to assume that... From our point of view, hopefully one of those two teams is the second team that qualifies in the group and that England go through as group leaders and then you've got Wales or USA beyond that. Who do you think is the more likely to take that second place? It's, it goes back to what Marley says, you know, Wales are so spirited and obviously football is deeply ingrained in the history of Wales not so much in the United States. And I don't think that's unfair to say. Uh, football is not the most popular sport in, in North America. But yet both North American, well, three North American teams really, outside of the Caribbean, Canada, the US and Mexico, have, have all qualified for the tournament. Mm. Um, so I think the United States are as strong as they've ever been. And I know England played them 12 years ago in the World Cup and it finished 1-1. Let's face it, it finished 1-1 because that England team underperformed and... Rob Green decided he was going to throw the ball into his own goal. And then 40-year-old David James, who's playing for my club Portsmouth at the time, got the call-up for the remaining matches for the World Cup. I had World to watch Cup. that game in a pub so, in a USA kit, by the way, because I lost a bet. Did you? Yeah. I watched it at Download Festival at Donington Park. When uh, was on this? A big 2000, 2010? 2010, yeah. Uh, oh, no, I watched the Germany game. I had a good story about the Germany game, but if we play that, well, I'll tell you then. Uh, <laughs> tease for a future potential podcast that may or yes. may not happen. Yes, it's like Ian Brannan's Chris Wilder story. I wonder if we'll ever hear the, uh, <laughs> the actual extent of it. But um, yeah, I, I think I fancy the United States. I do. I think the United States will be stronger than Wales. I think they've got better players than Wales on the whole. For instance, one of our midfielders for Portsmouth, Joe Morell, is in the Wales squad. Johnny Williams, who plays for Swindon Town Christ. in League Two, is the in the Wales squad. Johnny Esther, even though he plays once every two years. So, you know, it's... um. It's in terms of the quality of the players in the squad, I'd argue that the United States, man for man, 
obviously Wales have got Ramsey and they've got Bale and they've got Danny Ward and they've got some other players who play at top level in top teams, for instance, Premier League or in Bale's case, Real Madrid. So I just think, um, I just think the United States, man for man, have got a, a better team. And I think that, I think that they'll be all right. You know, I think that the United States will be all right. I, I fancy them to edge Wales out tonight. Um, but Wales are the sort of team where they can turn up and, and hurt you and they've got that spirit which maybe mm. is going to be the defining factor because they probably don't have the same quality as the other teams in the group barring Iran but they've definitely got the spirit and as Marley says you know with the fans that they'll take out there to Doha they'll be um, they'll be in fine voice and you know they'll be right up for this the the one thing I've just been thinking there while Al was talking which may benefit USA is the fact that if if tonight's a draw for example and you go into the other games USA play Iran second uh sorry Wales play Iran second where nothing's set in stone in in the group mm. so England will be playing America and you know it'll go down to the final group game and by the final group game uh USA will be playing Iran who might well be out of the tournament and Wales will be playing England who might well be through, but still it's England Wales, so mm. it's a harder game. But so, an element of knowing what you need, I guess, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So like USA might turn up needing to beat Iran by three goals if they lose um, tonight or in the next game, and England England will be playing Wales with still that that little like sense of derby ish mm. almost. Whereas USA will be playing Iran, who might well be halfway home and disgraced after losing the first two games. What do you think, Jim? Because from the four teams we've seen so far, England have clearly been the best. Yeah. Um, Ecuador, obviously, were far too strong for Qatar. But I think the United States are a better team than Ecuador based on what we saw yesterday. And I know... It's difficult. It's so impossible They're not in the same qualifying, are they? Because US qualify for a different pathway. And until we see... Probably, we're not going to know how strong or weak teams are in this tournament until we get two games in at least because I think and we're going to see this more and more with World Cups but the nature of the qualifying this year has meant there are poor teams in it Qatar because they're hosting it mm. Iran because of the nature of their qualification we're going to need to get used to this though because yeah, the exactly. next World Cup's got how many teams 48 is it in it the uh, next World Cup it's 50 something oh my goodness but me. Well, it's more anyway it's more, more weak teams more dead rubbers of games and it will take a longer for to actually kind of get the measure of teams I think we'll see that in this tournament <laughs> I don't know how good England were today because I don't really know how good Iran were. I thought England were exceptional. They today. did look good. I they were outstanding. But, but it, we don't know how good Iran are. Like if Wales go and put six past Iran yeah. in the next game, then you suddenly go, oh, maybe that opening performance wasn't quite as good as we thought it was going to be. You'd expect a reaction from Iran though, wouldn't you? You would do. The next podcast, by the way, we're going to be doing is ahead of England versus USA on Friday. Ooh. And we should say, Ooh. if you are one of our North American listeners, and there's plenty of you, and you want to come on the podcast and tell us about Team USA and how good you think you will or won't be in this World Cup, then do get in contact. You can do it via Twitter at FSDpod or search for us on the other social media channels. We are Sport Social there. Or if you're part of our Telegram group, you can join there and just drop us a message. We'll get you on the podcast next time ahead of that USA versus England game. But that is it for today's Football Social Daily. We'll be with you right the way through the World Cup with a particular eye on England's journey through it, which at the moment looks like it might be all the way coming home. See you next time. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.